Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello, I'm Connor Pope, and this is In the News from the Irish Times. Today, the nightmare of the Irish rental market and the terrible toll it is taking on people. It's hard to exaggerate just how difficult it is for people trying to find a home to rent in Ireland today. The cost has gone through the roof and supply has collapsed. After slowing down during the pandemic, rents are once again on the rise. The number of homes available to rent across the country is at an all-time low. Rents rose nationally by 7% in the 12 months to the end of June, according to the latest figures. I've lived in 11 different rented houses since 2007 and it's a completely different um, experience and world now. Barry McCarthy has three small children. Not in a position to buy a house after many years renting in Dublin, he cast his net wider in a bid to find a suitable home for his family. We were moving from uh, Dublin and decided to move to Limerick to be closer to family and he might have had 10 places available to rent in the entire county. For more than two months he had to deal with rejection after rejection. Then there were the times he had to deal with landlords who he knew were breaking the rules so they could charge more rent. But had only one picture, the Google Street View picture and the contact details for John. So we contacted this guy, John, and he said, oh, actually, the address that's listed and the picture is not of the house that I'm renting. It's somewhere else. And my name isn't John. It's, you know, Brian. And to come and meet me at the real address, you know, you can do a quick Google. And we saw that he had rented it at, you know, about 60% of what he was quoting us just two years ago. So we figured this was a guy really just trying to get around a 4% increase. And there's such a demand that he would have been able to charge so much more. It wasn't easy for Katie Walker either. Yeah, it's it's tough. I, needless to say, it's very difficult from the perspective of a tenant trying to find a place. She's single, she's in her early 30s, and she's reached a place in life where she can afford to live on her own. In a lot of instances, I would put out, you know, my standard introduction to myself in response to daft postings. I'm Katie, full-time employed, stable permanent contract, I'm a non-smoker, no pets. But she struggled to find a place to live. The response rate was only maybe 30% on that. Either the properties would already be taken or I'd be ghosted by landlords or the agents. The whole experience has left her completely demoralised. I think it requires a lot of guts. (laughs) Either whether it's chasing repairs or chasing agents to find a place from the get-go. 
it takes a lot of work on the, the tenant side to find the balance between what you can afford and, and trying to push your way through all those short lists and like queues of tenants who are competing against you and like the knowledge that if you stand up for yourself there's going to be someone there to replace you and who's probably willing to pay like 200 euros more than you. Jack Power, you're a reporter with the Irish Times and this week you've been busy trawling the internet for available homes to rent in Ireland just to get a sense of what's out there and what people are having to deal with. Now, from the time you spent hunting this week, were you able to get a good idea of how many homes were up for grabs across the country? Yeah, so I'd say it's 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 probably in the, the hundreds. Like I was looking across, you know, in Dublin, but then also, you know, what's, what's around in, in Cork or Galway or Limerick. Um, in Dublin, for example... You know, if you're looking for a one bed property on daft.e, it said there was around, you know, 280 properties available. You know, similarly, if you were looking for a, a three bed property in Dublin City to rent, you know, daft.e says there was around 160 properties available and, you know, more than 50 of them were on the north side and around 100 were on the, the south side. So just to be clear, Jack, that's 150 three bedroom homes catering for everybody in Dublin looking for somewhere to live. Yeah. That number, you know, was a lot, a lot lower in, in other cities like Cork or Galway. So it might be the effect that the week before Christmas, maybe there's a kind of a, a lag of people not advertising, you know, the week before Christmas, not wanting to deal with a, a deluge of people emailing them inquiring about it. But, you know, at the same time, it's a pretty kind of bleak outlook in terms of uh, just kind of numbers and, and supply. Were there any houses or apartments that you came across that seemed particularly bad or particularly expensive to you? So I suppose the, the worst offenders were definitely rentals advertised on these kind of Facebook group pages, particularly the ones you know aimed at or set up by kind of immigrants coming into the country, as I said, foreign language students. You know, there was one uh, on the day I was looking, there was one there. It was a room or should I say a bunk in a small room on Mount Joy Square for 275 euro a month. And now the the ad did not specify if you get the, the top bunk or the bottom bunk for that, but you'll be sharing a bunk bed with, with somebody else anyway. Uh, another one I found, which was pretty egregious, was for a couple in Edrum Condra. And that kind of apartment was going for €850 Euro a month. And you'd have your kind of reasonably sized double bed. And then in the same room, it also had your kitchen, your living room. Your TV was kind of perched on top of a kind of a shelf in front of your bed. And then you did have a separate room, which was your bathroom, and it was just big enough to fit the toilet itself. And so that was, um, I think that was the most harrowing one I saw. You wouldn't want to have a fight as a couple if you were living there, would you? No, no. Jack, after spending this week checking out the rental market and, of course, having gone through the task of finding a home for yourself earlier this year, what's your overall take on the situation? I'd say like yeah, anyone that you know has had to try and look for you know kind of rental accommodation in in the last kind of few years even you know we really know how depressing it is. I mean I think one of the the most depressing elements is not even when you find you know a nice property that's within your budget you know online or or somewhere else. I think the depressing bit happens when you inquire about this property and you're met with <laughs> total dead silence. You know, people who've who've been on kind of the rental hunt will kind of have that 
etched in their brain of you know applying to 20 or 50 different rental properties and hearing you know nothing nothing at all back or maybe getting one or two viewings so i think that's definitely the most depressing element of it is not even what's available or the poor quality for what you're paying it's it's the uh, you know the sheer imbalance of of supply and demand jack power thank you very much for talking to us Jennifer O'Connell is an Irish Times features writer and she's been focusing on the real impact the rental crisis is having on our society. Jennifer, we know prices have been rising much faster than inflation in recent times and that's despite the introduction of the so-called rent pressure zones. Can you maybe start by telling us what is happening across the rental sector in Ireland today? So, Connor, in, in telling this story, I kind of I wanted to go beyond the data and the statistics because I think that we hear them a lot and, and, and after a while you kind of stop listening to them. But I do think that the data is probably the place to start because it is fairly stark. So a recent study found that Dublin was the sixth most expensive of 38 capital cities around the world for renters, with a one bed in Dublin now costing €1,600 Euros per month. Um, and according to daft.ie, costs are rising at about 6.8% every single year. So last week, as I was doing my research for this article, um, I had a look on, on Daft and it listed just 1,847 properties to rent in the entire country. A thousand and fifty-seven of them were in Dublin. Now, it's probably worth pointing out that the figures for rentals available on and Daft don't necessarily represent every single property that's available in the country. Some people find them through family friends or through other means or through local advertising. Um, and some big developments might advertise one apartment when they actually have, you know, 300 apartments mm. to, to rent. But it's still a fair reflection and it does give you an, an idea of the trends. Other data points that really jumped out at me are that house prices in Ireland have risen by 800% in 40 years. Now, you as our consumer uh, person would know that that's during a period when every other household product has fallen in value. So it's an incredible rise. But the interesting thing here is, and and I think anyone who has ever rented or tried to rent in Ireland over the last three or four decades will testify to this. They'll have their horror stories about squalid bedsits, rogue landlords, queuing for uh, viewings, struggling to find a place to call home. You probably went through it yourself at some point uh, when you were in your 20s. So are things really that much different today than they were in the 1990s or even a decade or 15 years ago? The really short answer is yes, they, they are very different now. But interestingly, a lot of the experts that I spoke to kind of, they made that point to me. They said, well, look, you know, we remember too when we were in our 20s. And, and like you, I kind of, I left college in the 1990s and within a year of leaving college, and I'm not saying this was typical, but within a year of leaving college, I had managed to buy an apartment um, which was worth €70,000 with my then boyfriend, who's now my husband. So we were moving very fast. But the deposit on that, I could still remember, was £2,500 Irish. That was all I needed. So, I mean, it was really quite achievable to buy then. But yes, like I did have friends who rented for, for really long periods and rented really grotty places. But I think the main difference now is that it's no longer a transitional phase in, in people's lives. It feels for many like this is it. This is going to be their entire adult's lives, that they're not able to get out of the rental trap and, and they can't see a way out of it. And that's an interesting point because you did speak to a lot of people who've been struggling to find a home close to where they want to live or sometimes find a home anywhere at all. Are there any of the stories that you heard that particularly stand out? 
So one of the stories that really affected me, I think, was the story of a woman called Kathleen. I'm calling her Kathleen. It's it's not her real name. Um, but Kathleen is a nurse and she lives in the greater Leinster area in a town. She's not in Dublin. She was married. She raised a family of four children, two of whom still live at home with her. One is 17 and, and one is 22. She became separated a few years ago and everything was going OK after the separation. She moved out of the family home. The family home was sold. She kept her half of the deposit in order to put another deposit, she hoped, on a house further down the road. And she was paying 1,750 euros a month for a four-bedroom house in, in a town. But then two things happened that collided and, and, and would ultimately kind of prove catastrophic for her. And I think for me, this really highlighted how close so many people are living to just, you know, being one paycheck away from homelessness. So the first was that she had an injury, a relatively sort of straightforward and mild injury that actually just didn't heal and it developed into a chronic pain condition. And because she was a nurse, she could no longer work. It made it really difficult for her to stand and to do the physical parts of her job. So she was on a very small invalidity pension. And then last summer, she got four months notice from the landlord of the house she was renting that she would have to move out. Now, she said to me, I thought I'd have plenty of time to find a house, but I was wrong. Um, I asked her how many applications she'd sent off to look at houses. And she said, I've, I've lost track. I've sent so many of them. In all of six months, she's had only two viewings on houses. So she's left with no choice but to move into an Airbnb. The problem for her is that this this Airbnb can't last forever. It's a it's a temporary situation. So she's she's been in touch with her council. She's been approved for HAP, um, which is housing assistance payment of fifteen hundred euros a month. But she as she said to me, the rents keep going up, but the HAP doesn't, and she can't find anywhere to rent. And they're go, the rents are going up month by month, but the HAP is staying the same. So she also got on to the homeless section of her local authority, and, and they said that she would qualify for a place to live, but that all they could give her was a. Uh, family room in a bed and breakfast. Now she has a 17-year-old daughter and a 22-year-old son, so they can't live, three of them can't live in one room together. It's just not suitable. So she's hanging tight and kind of staying optimistic. But, you know, she just said to me, having worked her whole life and raised her family, and as she sort, you know, has done all the things she should do, here she is in this situation where she's facing homelessness. That just sounds immensely stressful. And, I, and, and I'm guessing Kathleen isn't alone. And there must be an awful lot of people in their 30s, 40s, 50s and even 60s and beyond who are in the, that similar position where they're terrified because they're renting and they don't know what's going to happen next. Even people who have, you know, quote unquote, good jobs, who have decent salaries, who, you know, should and, and, and do have an expectation of being able to live in a really nice place or even just in a somewhat decent place, somewhat close to where they work. That's not possible. So another person that I spoke to is a guy called Gene Murphy. He came back 18 months ago after eight years abroad. He works in the tech sector. He's got excellent career prospects. And he was actually, he said to me, really excited to be home, wanted to be near his family and, and wanted to be with his mother who's who's a little bit older and he said uh, all I want is the ability to rent and to eventually buy he's from the Cork area and ideally he'd like to live within the Cork area but you know he would live in Dublin as well but he said as a single person my head is done in and my heart is broken so I'm 38 I don't have the time to mess around for too long because you know if I don't get a mortgage now I'm going to be too old to be approved for a mortgage so he's he's moving away again and I just wonder you know what does Ireland benefit from a situation where somebody like him who comes back here, who wants to be back here, who wants to contribute, but feels that there's no future for him in Ireland because there's nowhere to live. And you spoke as part of your your article, you spoke to a lot of housing experts, as well as the people who are on the coalface trying to find a place to live. What have these experts got to say about why things have got so bad in recent years? 
So, Connor, there are some kind of simple answers and there are some much more complex answers. And I mean, I didn't want to focus too much in the article on how we got here, because I think there's an awful lot of mental energy used up to dissecting mm. whose fault this is and not enough used to how, how we get out of it. But in brief, and I do think it's important to say it's not just an Irish phenomenon, even though a lot of the conversation here focuses around the perception that sort of specific policy decisions by various governments led us here. But there are some international phenomena that have contributed and, and some of them are the low interest rate environment and a view that sort of sees the place you live as a wealth generator and sees housing as an investment. And that is something that has really accelerated in the last 10 years. So that's what economists would refer to as the financialization of housing. So cheap credit combined with that perception that housing should be an investment. And then the other thing that happened was the emergence of the knowledge-based economy. So the knowledge-based economy as one of the the experts that I spoke to had some really interesting perspectives on this. A young Irish guy called Sam Bowman, who lives in the UK, who says that he's, you know, he's part of this problem in that he's renting and he's stuck in the rental trap in, in the UK. But he makes the point that these knowledge-based economies reward people for being together. And so even if you're working in an IT firm and I'm working in a financial institution, there's still a sort of a, a reward for us being in the same area around the same kind of creative activities with the same opportunities for to move jobs if we want to move job. So you're seeing this kind of phenomenon where this migration towards cities has put incredible pressure on house prices and in turn on rents all over the world. So it, it, it's, you know, it's a phenomenon in places like Singapore, in Paris, in Vancouver, Hong Kong, you name it, um, and they have the same problem. And it is becoming a political issue in a lot of other places as well. But that's not to excuse what generations of Irish governments have, have done or have not done, I suppose, more specifically. So one of the other Irish factors is, is the failure to invest in social housing here. So state spending has jumped massively on social housing by 500% since 2015. But one third of all of that is now going to private rentals. So that's sort of squeezing out people who, you know, would have been able to afford their own rent and wouldn't need any state assistance if the state wasn't competing with them uh, in terms of providing housing to people. And then one of the other things that's happened here, which is, a you know, an anomaly that's probably just emerged, I think, in the last few months, is that small scale private landlords are leaving the rental mm -hmm. market in their droves. And this seems kind of counterintuitive, doesn't it? Because you're thinking, well, everything is tilted towards the landlord. And we keep hearing all this negative commentary about landlords. Should they're on the pig's back, why would they leave? Well, the reality is actually that they don't feel that they're on the pig's back, that the added bureaucracy and the added protections that are there for tenants for all the right reasons have made it more difficult for them to, to make money at it. So a lot of things, I think, have collided to create this situation where you just have, particularly, I think, in urban areas, you just have too many would-be tenants chasing too few places to live. Coming up, are there any realistic solutions that can help us out of this rental crisis and help people to find homes? It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Of course, Jennifer, the biggest question in all of this might be, how do we fix the problem? What does the government need to do to solve the housing crisis in general and the rental crisis in particular? And can it all be fixed in the short term or is that just wishful thinking? A lot of the experts um, that I spoke to made the point to me that when we're talking about solutions, actually, it's oversimplistic to say it comes down to supply and demand. And in fact, if we can't move on from thinking of it as a supply and demand issue, then we're never going to get anywhere. And in fact, um, you know, as was pointed out to me, we have plenty of housing in this country. So there are two million houses for around a population of around five million. So that should be enough. But the problem is that some of those new houses, uh, which are empty, are not in the right places. And a lot of the problem is that there are too many people living in houses that are too big for their needs. So one of the solutions um, that that some of the experts I spoke to are are pushing for quite strongly is the idea that we need some policies that can allow people to move, to downsize from quite a substantial family home into something that's, you know, more suited to their needs. And doing that is is quite complex at the moment. And and I know that because I've, I've done it myself with my own parents. They downsized out of the family home and I bought it and moved into it, which is an amazing solution for us as a as a family and should be the kind of thing that people can do. But the amount of bureaucracy involved in it, the lack of help from government actually made it like a really tricky process. So, you know, there are probably sort of some fairly simple policy interventions that we could bring in around uh, making better use of the housing that we already have and better use of the space that we already have in urban areas. One of the things that is being looked at that I think a lot of the academics that I spoke to feels does have some promise and it is it is covered in the housing the housing for all policy by the government but just not on the scale that they would like to see which is the idea of cost rental schemes so this would be where the government provides affordable housing but it's open to all comers so you don't have to qualify for social housing to avail of it and you get it at cost which is pretty much the the cost of building it but the government is doing that only in a very limited way i think there's a proposal for 2000 cost rental units this year There are more creative solutions that maybe the Irish government isn't looking at at the moment. There's something called street votes, and that's an idea that's being championed by one UK-based economist that you spoke to, Sam Bowman. So what exactly is this concept of street votes and how would it work to help ease the current crisis here? So this is an idea where residents of individual streets would get the opportunity to vote on raising density in their own street. And it would be done, it would be structured in such a way that both landlords and tenants themselves who are renting on the street already would benefit financially from the proposal. So you sort of take it away, you decentralise that decision making and you bring it down to literally street level. So me here on my street in in Waterford or you on your street in in Stony Batter, would you like to see the house across the road, which is three storeys and which has always been a, you know, one family home, you know, would you be in favour of that being turned into a house with maybe five apartments in it? And is there enough parking? And I think that's a really good idea is to sort of, we need to really be thinking about this at hyper-local level. But I think the thing that I got out of, you know, doing this article and, and speaking to the people that I interviewed is that there are no quick are easy solutions. There are some really creative, innovative ideas out there, but there's nothing that's going to fix this overnight. And 
Time is the one thing that people who are stuck in the renting trap just don't have. What are the consequences of inaction here? What are the consequences for our society if this problem just goes on and on and on and on and on? I think the consequences of it are absolutely colossal and I think it will impact every area of life in Ireland. And and I don't think we appreciate that because I think we're still sort of split as a society between those who are very comfortable in their home that they're paying a mortgage off on or, or have paid a mortgage off on. And they don't really want to see house prices come down, which is what it will take for this to be resolved ultimately. So we sort of talk about it and, and, and we make nods to it and we kind of say, well, you know, yeah, it's terrible, isn't it? The young people can't get a place to live. But there isn't really, I don't think to date, an appetite for this to be solved. Now, I do think that's changing. And I think it's changing because sort of comfortable class are seeing their own children grow up and are not able to find a place to live. Or even, you know, in the more immediate term, they're not able to afford accommodation for their children when they go off to third level. Mm. So I think maybe that that conversation is beginning to, to change and it is beginning to be accepted at an ideological level that we need this to happen. But I think, you know, where you live affects absolutely every aspect of your life. It affects, you know, the, the productivity and the culture of a, of a, a city or an a, economy. It affects the sense of community. It affects personal decisions like how many children you're going to have and when you're going to have them. And there is a direct link that can be shown between the cost of housing and the number of children that people have. And a lot of the people that I spoke to, you know, for this article and that we interviewed elsewhere in the Irish Times were talking about putting off decisions about having a family. But I suppose, you know, if I was to use language that I think might appeal to the government more, it's, it's, it's a risk in terms of Ireland's competitiveness because if we have a place that, a country that is sending people like Jean Murphy, who has a lot to offer um, as a returned emigrant, if we're sending him the message, there's no point coming home because, yeah, there's jobs and we'd love to have you, but unfortunately you're just not going to make enough to be able to live in Ireland, then that's not great for the future competitiveness of our economy. And, you know, the one thing we always say is, oh, the multinationals don't care about corporate tax so much. What they care about is our young, educated workforce. Mm. But the message we've given that young, educated workforce is, sorry, there's no home for you here. You've got to go somewhere else. You know, you can get a job in Ireland, but you're probably not going to find a place to live. And so this is a problem for all of us. Jennifer O'Connell, as ever, thank you very much for talking to us and have a very happy Christmas. Thanks, Connor. You too. Thanks to all our contributors today, Katie Walker, Barry McCarthy, Jack Power and of course Jennifer O'Connell. This episode is part of a series in the Irish Times this week on Ireland's undersupplied rental market and the toll it is taking on our society. You can read more from our journalists on this issue at irishtimes.com. And that's it from In The News for 2021. Thank you so much for listening to us this year. Next week, we're taking a small break, but we will be revisiting some of our favourite episodes from the year just gone. So please do tune in for those. We'll be back in full swing in 2022. But for now, from all of us at In The News, we wish you a very happy Christmas. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.